You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 319. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Have you ever heard about an inflammation diet? Has anybody ever told you, you should try an inflammation diet? Well, I have to say, I don't promote many diets out there because most are fad diets that are very extreme and not balanced at all and not sustainable. But an anti-inflammatory diet is probably the only one that I actually can get behind. We're gonna talk about that because I am so passionate about people using food instead of medicine when they can to have a great impact on their body. And so if you're someone who has what's considered chronic inflammation in your body, then you might actually benefit from an anti-inflammatory diet. Now, as I've been injured for the past several months, I have to say that I have definitely leaned way into an anti-inflammatory diet. So we're gonna talk a lot about that, but I want you to understand which foods you should not eat because they are going to promote inflammation in your body. I wanna tell you which foods you should concentrate on including and really eating more of if you have chronic inflammation in your body. And when we talk about inflammation today, we're not only gonna be talking about what's considered a chronic inflammation that might cause disease, but also the kind of inflammation that you would have when you're trying to recover from say a surgery or just trying to heal, like myself, an injury. So all of these things can be impacted by the foods you eat and I find that so powerful because food, as medicine can be so effective in your life. And so again, it's one of the only diets that I will definitely say I could get behind the anti-inflammatory diet. And we're gonna talk about all of that after this. And now it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, coming to you from Consumer Reports on Health Magazine, they are talking about getting red number three dye out of your food. Did you know it's banned in cosmetics, but it is not banned in what we eat? Now, this is what they say, that more than 30 years ago, the Food and Drug Administration declared that the artificial color additive FDNC Red Number no. 3 could no longer be used in cosmetics because it had been found to cause cancer in animals. Other research has linked it to hyperactivity in children. But the dye is actually still allowed in food and beverages in the United States. In fact, it's an ingredient in thousands of products from vegetarian bacon by Morningstar Farms to certain flavors of Yoohoo, Pediasure, and Ensure. It's also permitted as an inactive ingredient in some ingested medicines and supplements. And although the potential for harm may be greatest in children, red number three dye probably poses risks to people of all ages. That the food that the additive is still allowed in food and drugs is partly a result of bad timing. They say that it was first used more than 100 years ago before research linked it to health risks. But in 1990, the FDA made a decision on whether to approve the use of dye in cosmetics. The agency had enough evidence finally to raise concerns. And at that time, the FDA said it would take steps to ban it from food as well, but it hasn't yet. 
And that's why Consumer Reports, along with the Center for Science in Public Interest and other food safety organizations, has petitioned the FDA urging the agency to prohibit the use of red number three dye in food, dietary supplements, and ingested drugs. If this dye is not safe for external cosmetic use, how is it safe for you or your family to eat? The answer is it is likely not at all. Now, until the FDA gets on it, there is something that you can do to be proactive about the situation. All you have to do is read your labels. Read the labels of your food. If it says red dye number three, you do not want to eat it. It means that this terrible chemical is in that food. So a lot of red candy, a lot of red frostings in pastries, uh, any kind of red, anything in a box or a bag can potentially have this dye in it. And so the best thing you can do is until the FDA gets on it, which could be God knows how long, you can take care of it for yourself and for your children and for your family by reading the label before you buy it and simply do not buy the foods that have this chemical. Trust me, you don't want it in your system. You don't want it in your body. It is just nothing that is going to benefit your health. Now with that said, and with that done, let's talk about the foods we should eat and even should not eat in terms of fighting inflammation in our body. Because definitely we have gotten to a place where doctors are learning that one of the best ways to reduce inflammation is not in the medicine cabinet, as I said earlier, but it's actually in the refrigerator. And by following an anti-inflammatory diet, you can fight off inflammation, potentially for good. Now I hate to say for good because that's like a really long time, but I guess if you continued to really stay on top of an anti-inflammatory diet, then potentially you could do that. Now information today is coming to you from Harvard Health. It's also coming from Healthline and they talk a lot about what anti-inflammatory diets do. Now the first thing you wanna understand is that your immune system becomes activated when your body recognizes anything that is not supposed to be there, like anything foreign, like an invading microbe, plant pollen, or a chemical. This is what triggers a process called inflammation. Now, intermittent bouts of inflammation directed at a truly threatening invader, potentially, that protects you and keeps you healthy. That is a process we want to happen in our body. So it's not like we want to avoid inflammation all the time. It has a place to keep us healthy and to protect us. However, sometimes inflammation goes on and on, day in and day out, even when you're not necessarily being threatened by some kind of foreign invader. And that is when inflammation can become a, a true enemy in a way because many major diseases like cancer, heart disease, diabetes, arthritis, depression, and even Alzheimer's, they have been linked to chronic inflammation. And that is that inflammation that is with you day in and day out for long periods of time. Now, one of the most powerful things that you can do to fight against that type of inflammation is not going to be taking medication necessarily because they really see the biggest benefit from the foods that you eat. 
Many experimental studies have shown that components of foods or beverages may have anti-inflammatory effects. So choosing the right anti-inflammatory foods really could help you reduce your risk of illness. Now, obviously, if you're like in your 20s, well, God bless you for listening to this podcast if you're in your 20s and you're already, you know, being considerate and mindful of your nutrition and your health. I wish that more 20-year-olds were doing that. But likely, if you're listening to this podcast, you are in your mid-30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, or even older. And as we get older, fighting off illness becomes a real thing. It is much more likely as we hit the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, and on, that we could find out that we have one of these big, you know, they're called like the big main diseases, like I just talked about, with the diabetes and the heart disease and the cancer. All of those things as we age, it's almost like they get closer to hitting home. And so hopefully it doesn't happen to you, but you might start be hearing that your friend or your friend's mom or your friend's sister now has heart disease or diabetes or depression or Alzheimer's and it starts to really sort of hit home in your heart that hey if we don't do something to take care of ourselves now preventatively we could be that person that people are talking about that got that disease and I don't I don't want that for me because I'm now about to go on 51 and I already see what's happening to the body once I hit 50 and so I think it's really important that we start making these nutritional changes as much as possible because it is really going to benefit your health over time. Now, real quickly, let's talk about some foods that you really should avoid because these are foods that cause inflammation. So refined carbohydrates. These would be like your white bread, your white tortillas, your pastries, you know, all those baked goods that taste so great. Those are refined carbohydrates. Guess what? Cause inflammation. You want to avoid fried foods like, how about French fries, calamari that's fried, Uh, you know, those kind of fried foods, all fried foods cause inflammation in your body. Soda and other sugar-sweetened beverages, and that goes for diet soda as well. Diet soda is so terrible for you, not because it has sugar in it, because we all know it doesn't, but sugar-free does not make it healthy. It has chemicals in it. All soda and all sugar-sweetened beverages are causing inflammation in your body, and that goes for your kiddos too. So you probably want to really limit what they're drinking in terms of those sugar-sweetened beverages. Red meat, so a burger, a steak, processed meat, the hot dogs, the sausages, they cause inflammation in your body. Now, I have some clients who are trying to up their protein in the morning, and I think that's great because we need more protein in, in general. But morning sausages that I see most people eating when they eat sausage, they are a processed meat, so they cause inflammation. Can you have them? Yes, in moderation. I would not have morning sausage daily. And then the last thing is margarine, shortening, and lard. Those things cause inflammation. Imagine that. So those are the foods that you really want to be very cautious of. Again, am I saying that I never have french fries? No, I just don't have them very often, maybe once a month. So it's important that you limit these things as much as possible. Are you supposed to just never have them again? That wouldn't be realistic in my opinion. It just doesn't 
you don't want it to be, I should say, something that you're having daily or potentially even weekly on some of those, all right? Now, the same foods on an inflammation diet are generally considered bad for our health, including the soda, the refined carbs, like the red and processed meats, right? It's not just inflammation. We've always considered them bad for our health. That's not really new news when I brought up those items. Some of the foods that have been associated with an increased risk for chronic disease, like type 2 diabetes and heart disease, are also associated with excess inflammation. And it's not surprising since inflammation is an important underlying mechanism for the development of these diseases. And that's why it's so important that we start really looking at what's causing the inflammation in our body and how we can take it down a level. Unhealthy foods also contribute to what, everyone? We already know. It helps people gain weight. And that in itself is a risk factor for inflammation. In several studies, even after researchers took obesity into account, the link between foods and inflammation remained, which suggests weight gain is not the sole driver. Some of the food components or ingredients may have independent effects on inflammation over and above just that higher caloric intake. So yes, these foods that we just talked about, they are not healthy. They can contribute to weight gain. They can contribute to obesity, which can contribute to type two diabetes. And yet they're even saying it's not just being overweight that is causing this inflammation. It actually has links to the specific foods causing the inflammation in your body. So. Even if you're super thin and you don't have weight to lose, it's still important to avoid those high inflammation type foods as often as you can. Now, what we all wanna know, well, what should we be eating, right? An anti-inflammatory diet should include things like tomatoes, cooking with olive oil, beefing up your green leafy vegetables. I cannot tell you enough. If you are a client, you probably hear from me daily, you did great, but I think you could increase your vegetable intake. So things like spinach, kale, collards, those are your green leafy vegetables, which are so great as anti-inflammatory foods. Also nuts like almonds and walnuts are incredible as an anti-inflammatory food. Fatty fish like salmon, mackerel, tuna, and sardines. Excellent sources of protein as well. And then there's your fruits like your strawberries, your blueberries, your cherries, and your oranges. Those are some that have made it to the anti-inflammatory food list. Now, what are the benefits of these anti-inflammatory foods? On the flip side are beverages and foods that reduce inflammation and with it, chronic disease. It is noted in particular though that the fruits and the vegetables like we just talked about, the blueberries, the apples, the leafy greens that are high in natural antioxidants and polyphenols are protective compounds found in plants. And studies have associated nuts with reduced markers of inflammation and a lower risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes. And get this everyone, coffee, which contains polyphenols and other anti-inflammatory compounds may protect against inflammation as well. Finally, something we all love that benefits us, 
coffee. <laughs> now you still have to have it in moderation, everything in moderation team, right? But coffee does have some anti-inflammatory components. Now to reduce levels of inflammation, you want to aim for an overall healthy diet. Imagine that. All we ever talk about on this podcast is balance, an overall healthy diet, not taking something out like carbohydrates completely, not just eating protein, not just eating plant-based, but eating an overall healthy diet is going to help you reduce the levels of inflammation in your body. And if you're looking for sort of a meal plan that can closely follow something like that, the Mediterranean diet that I'm sure you've heard about is what a lot of people follow when they find out that they have a very high chronic inflammation in their body. They're basically told to eat a Mediterranean diet. Well, guess what a Mediterranean diet has? It's very high in fruit, vegetables, nuts, whole grains, fish, and healthy oils. That is what an anti-inflammatory diet looks like. In addition to lowering inflammation, a more natural, less processed diet can give you noticeable effects on not just your physical, but also your emotional health. And a healthy diet is beneficial not only for reducing the risk of chronic diseases, but also for just giving you improved mood and quality of life. That's why I pitch it day in and day out. That is pretty much all that I pitch for everything, is that I want everyone to live a better life, a happier life. I want you to feel your best, and it's not about what you look like, because when you feel so good, trust me, you look so good. It really all comes together. And in order to do that, you have to be eating less processed foods. You need to be eating more real foods. And in this way, getting rid of a lot of the anti-inflammatory foods. Now, Another thing that is talked about a lot is reducing inflammation, obviously to improve your immune function, but also to promote healing. And that is where I have really sort of taken the anti-inflammatory tools that I have learned over time and really embraced them in these last months since I have injuries and I want to promote healing. Now, when it comes to healing, there are 10 different foods that they say help promote, and I should say decrease, that inflammation in your body to promote the healing for things like injuries. So the first one that they talk about in this other sort of um, shift, you're still talking about the body and inflammation, but now they're bringing it more into a healing aspect. The first one they talk about is still the same as the other one, which is those leafy green vegetables. So there's the kale, the spinach. They also talk about arugula, mustard greens, Swiss chard. And the thing is they are packed with nutrients that decrease inflammation, enhance immune function, improve healing, and make them a perfect choice for recovery. I personally think you should be eating leafy greens every single day. So if you're supposed to get five servings of vegetables a day, and as a reminder, a half a cup is considered a serving size, a one full cup is the size for leafy greens. And so I think one or two of your five servings a day should for sure be these leafy green vegetables. There's such a benefit. Now, if you were to say follow a surgery with something to help you recover, you would want something with a lot 
of protein. The American Society for Enhanced Recovery recommends 0.7 to 0.9 grams of protein per pound of body weight after surgery. That is about 105 to 135 grams for a 150 pound person. Protein, so important for your body, not just if you're healing, but also especially if you're healing as in after a surgery. Now, eggs are not only an excellent source of highly absorbable protein, they have about six grams per large egg of protein, but also nutrients that support immune health and healing. So eggs are a good one. Now I'm someone who generally will have one egg a day, but two egg whites with it. That's gonna bump up the protein even more without just too much fat from the yolk, especially if you have a cholesterol issue. Although there is a lot of new information out there. It's not even new anymore. This is eggs have nothing to do with high cholesterol, but I like to be in balance in check with that. So I do one egg with two egg whites almost every day. Now the next wonderful thing that you should be including in your diet for anti-inflammation to help heal, to help recover, just like they said on the other list, salmon. Now I promote salmon all the time because it is packed with protein, B vitamins, selenium, iron, zinc, and the omega-3 fats. And what's more is that studies show that it's omega-3 fats of that salmon may promote wound healing, enhance immune response, and reduce inflammation when taken in even a supplement form. Now, I am pro eating real food over the supplement, but when you need to, that is really good to know that those omega-3s are really helping all of these types of inflammation in the body. But three ounces of wild-caught salmon delivers over 70% of your daily needs for selenium, and that is a mineral that regulates inflammation and immune response. I personally, I don't eat it enough, but I always make sure when I eat out that if they have salmon, that is almost always going to be my go-to because I don't cook it enough. And so that means it's something that I focus on when I eat out. And so that's a great way to try to bring that salmon in, especially if you're eating out and then you avoid that burger and fries, which isn't gonna help your inflammation. Go for the salmon, especially if you don't cook it very often. Fourth on the list, just like the other list, they are talking about berries. Now, berries have so many nutrients and plant compounds that help support your body's recovery, and they provide a lot of vitamin C, and that promotes wound healing by stimulating the production of collagen. They also have so many antioxidants. I'm sure you've heard that before, all about berries having antioxidants. We want that in our body. It provides anti-inflammatory, antiviral, and immune-supporting effects. So I personally have berries every day. I generally try to get different berries every week, and I put them in my oatmeal every single morning. Very important. Again, I, am been, I have been trying to focus on as many anti-inflammatory foods as possible to help with my injuries. Number five, nuts and seeds just like the other list, see? Nuts and seeds like almonds, pecans, walnuts, sunflower seeds, hemp seeds, they are great for fueling your body during these recovery times. Now these foods provide plant-based protein, healthy fats and vitamins and minerals that support healing. So an example, nuts and seeds are a great source of zinc, vitamin E, manganese and magnesium, 
Vitamin E acts as an antioxidant in your body, protecting against cellular damage, and it is also critical for immune health. Some studies note that healthy vitamin E levels may improve the function of protective immune cells, such as natural killer cells, which help fight infection and disease. Number six on their list is poultry. So specific amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein, play such an important role in wound healing and even your immune function. Poultry, including chicken and turkey, they pack in the glutamine, the arginine, two amino acids that may aid recovery and healing. The glutamine provides cellular protection during times of stress, like illness and injury, while the arginine assists collagen production and wound healing. It's a little tongue twister there. What's more, it is rapidly depleted during times of stress, injury, and illness, making adequate intake of this amino acid even more important. So chicken is really a good one. Turkey, really a good one to get in these two amino acids because they truly help with recovery and healing. Now, they also say number seven, it sounds really awful, but it really is good, organ meats. (laughs) Organ meats are some of the most nutritious foods that you can eat. They have many immune supportive nutrients like vitamin A, iron, zinc, B vitamins, copper, and these are needed for the production of connective tissue and collagen. So you can see where that is really helpful during healing of all kinds within the body. Now, vitamin A, which is essential for proper immune cell response, helps inhibit inflammatory cells, and it's critical for skin health and wound healing. And additionally, organ meats are excellent sources of, guess what, protein. And that is necessary for recovery after surgery, after illness, and really promotes the healing. Number eight, cruciferous vegetables. Now this is another one I get on my clients for. Some people could eat the leafy greens all day long, but they don't have any cruciferous vegetables. And so if you are supposed to eat five servings of vegetables a day, I would love to see one or two of your servings be things like cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, All of those have incredible health benefits. They may support recovery because they have a wide variety of vitamins, minerals, even antioxidants. Cruciferous vegetables contain glucosinolates. How about that one for a tongue twister? Glucosinolates. And those are compounds that your body converts into isothiocyanates. And those have been shown to promote immune health by suppressing inflammation activating immune defenses, and inducing death in infected cells. Plus, these veggies have so many nutrients that your body craves during recovery, which are things like vitamin C and vitamin B. So please bump up the cruciferous vegetables team, the broccoli, the Brussels sprouts, the cauliflower, all of them are going to benefit you. Number nine, they talk about shellfish in particular, like oysters, mussels, clams, and it's because they're loaded in nutrients like zinc, and zinc can help promote recovery. Now, zinc is crucial for healthy immune function. It is a mineral that may help speed recovery. It may promote wound healing and making shellfish 
uh, priority when you're recuperating from surgery is absolutely ideal, which I thought was really interesting. They say that just six medium oysters provides over 300% of the daily value for zinc. And then the last one on the list, a favorite of mine, sweet potatoes. So eating a healthy, high carbohydrate food like a sweet potato is very important for recovery. The carbohydrates not only provide the energy that your cells require for healing, but also enzymes like hexokinase and citrate synthase, which aid the actual wound repair. And in fact, inadequate carb intake may impair wound healing and delay recovery. So for all my people out there who don't eat carbs, which I, I mean, I don't want to say I don't know why you're not eating carbs. I know why, because somehow they got a bad rap and people think that if you eat carbohydrates, you won't be able to lose weight. Or you think that carbohydrates make you gain weight. But there are healthy carbohydrates that your body truly needs. And without an adequate carbohydrate intake, you might be slowing down your own recovery or wound healing, or even suppressing your immune function in some ways. So sweet potatoes are so nutritious. They are a high carbohydrate source, and it's packed with anti-inflammatory plant compounds, vitamins, minerals. It has a lot of vitamin C. It has manganese, and it will optimize your immune response and help your body recover. These are all so important. These are all things that you can do. It's so great to me that you can go to the market and pick out all of these anti-inflammatory foods to benefit your body, to help you recover in times of need, to help you live a healthier life, to decrease chronic inflammation so that you can avoid the big illnesses as you age because nobody wants to go to the doctor as they get older to find out that your blood pressure is high, you're now a high-risk cardiovascular disease client, you don't want to find out that you're high-risk now for stroke, you don't want to find out that now you have diabetes, all of those things. Once you already find out you have these things, it's a lot harder to fix. But what you can do is you can start fixing those things by preventing it early now. That is the essential thing that you can do for your body. So someone said to me, are you eating an anti-inflammatory diet because you are injured? And the thing was, I already ate mostly this way. This is always how I've eaten because an anti-inflammatory diet really is about eating real foods, including proteins, including healthy carbs, including nuts, including whole grains, lots of vegetables, berries, fruit. That already is what I eat. And that is already what I promote and help my clients start to do in their nutritional changes that they make. So a Mediterranean diet is the type of diet that they call an anti-inflammatory diet. I simply call it a balanced diet because that's really what it is. And all of those types of foods are going to help you heal your body and decrease inflammation. So for me, super important right now, I'm dealing with a knee injury and a glute injury. I want to do everything I can to benefit my body to heal. Now, are these foods going to fix my patellar tendinopathy? No. 
That's not going to fix the actual injury, but it's going to help with the inflammation in my body and it is going to help the recovery process as best as possible. And it is also going to help me by not gaining weight while I have an injury because weight gain while you're injured only makes the injury worse typically as well. You don't want to have more weight on a bad knee or a bad glute or a bad back, right? So it all goes hand in hand. It always does, right? Your health your health with nutrition, your health with your exercise plays an overall role into your body. So there's everything you need for an anti-inflammatory diet. You do not have to be injured to eat this way. You do not have to have any kind of immune issues to eat this way. You do not have to have diabetes to eat this way. You can simply start choosing to eat this way. And if you do, I think you're going to feel absolutely amazing. There you have it, the Earn That Body podcast. Always here to bring you fitness, nutrition, and health information you can put into play right away. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.